This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. And good morning and welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. This is Knowledge at Wharton for Wednesday. Glad to have you with us coming up on the show today. You may have heard that Gannett, the parent company of USA Today, is splitting off their digital and TV operations from its publishing. So is this the move that's going to be the first major step towards the death of newspapers? Well, as we get uh, going here on the show, uh, you may remember that earlier this year, Time Warner divested itself from Time Magazine. Now the legendary publication is let running on its own. And now the same type of move is being made by Gannett, the owners of USA Today. They announced earlier this week that they would be creating two brand new companies out of their holdings. One, which includes the 46 television stations that it currently owns, along with the websites it runs like Cars.com and CareerBuilder. And the other with its publishing arm, which includes a bunch of daily newspapers and USA Today. But with this being the second major separation in the last few months, is this the beginning of the end for newspapers as we have known them for decades? Pinar Yildrum is an associate professor of marketing here at Wharton with her interests in media and advertising. And she joins us here in the studios today. Great to have you here, Pinar. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. It's my pleasure to be here. We, we talked uh, with the, the pair of newspaper veterans a couple of weeks ago who obviously, having been in the business for so long, were fearful for a lot of their cohorts in the business. Uh, but are these two moves, the Time and the Gannett, really the first sign that we're going to see a major shift in how newspapers are set up and run? This last move is clearly different from the previous moves, which we have been seeing in the newspaper industry, because this is the largest publishing company. And this company owns so many newspapers and TV stations. So it's a clear indication that there is a sign of unprofitable companies right. and a, a desire to get rid of spin off these companies from the other parts of the business that the company owns. So here we see an example of separating broadcasting from publishing. And yep. the broadcasting part of Gannett has been much more successful compared to the publishing part of it. The company wants to achieve multiple things. It first of all wants to give its stakeholders a signal that they are going to be moving in a better, more profitable direction, yep. in a direction of growth. But more importantly, they also want to release some of those pressures that exist from the FCC regulations on their own growth, their ability to acquire or yep. get rid of the newspapers, as well as some of the broadcasting stations. So there are multiple reasons for their move, but this is clearly a very important, um, a big signal to, 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 to expect what might be coming next. Now, Gannett has obviously made a lot of changes with the newspapers that they own, especially since they've acquired them uh, over the last few years. And so many newspapers have uh, have trimmed rosters, trimmed their content down, uh, cut back on size because of the cost effect. Uh, there really doesn't seem to be any other course than what we've seen the last few years, maybe to the point where 20, 30 years down the line, we're going to see newspapers as an all-digital event. Exactly. And it's an interesting look 
at uh, looking at the newspaper industry is relatively interesting because what we can see is in terms of the revenues from the 1950s to up until 2000, the revenues for newspapers had been on an increase. Yep. And what we have seen from 2000 onwards is essentially a drop down so significant that we are practically now back to 1950s in terms of the revenue sources that are available to newspapers. Mm. The overall entire newspaper industry has shrunk quite significantly, quite drastically. And now the newspapers are running around trying to find alternate reasons, alternate ways of cutting down on either costs or increasing in ways of gathering news revenue, uh, new news revenues. One of the things that they have been doing, multiple newspapers have been doing, is to simply get rid of their print part, try yeah. to go simply just on the digital format. Other newspapers have been cutting down on the number of days that they make the newspaper yeah. available. So they've been trying multiple things over the past couple of years. But what we have seen is essentially there are very few numbers of newspapers, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, that are being profitable, yeah. whereas the other newspapers have been bleeding. And uh, I think this might be, as you said, the, the trend moving forward. In the next few years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we'll see a lot more innovation in the news industry. And we'll also start seeing maybe some of these newspapers, unfortunately, going out of business. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal is... Even though they cover global events, they are, quote unquote, a niche newspaper because of their focus on business. USA Today is something a little bit different. And I bring it up because when you think about USA Today compared to a lot of the local newspapers, I think most people are more willing to go out. If they're going to go get a local newspaper, they're going to buy their local newspaper. They're not going to go do USA Today. It's it, it it makes me wonder how USA Today can think they can be a profitable entity producing physical newspapers day in, day out with the changes that we're seeing. You're right, Then, In, in fact, uh, a good chunk of the circulation, the numbers that are uh, coming for the print part of the USA Today sales are actually coming from uh, the, the deliveries to, for example, hotel chains. They are selling, as opposed to the individual consumers, they are selling also to these corporations, which make newspapers available to consumers. So that part of the business might still be relatively profitable in terms right. of delivering print. The, the advertising part of this is obviously the, one of the big uh, pieces to this. And, and we spoke before we went on the air about how it's changed a little bit when you look at the holdings that Gannett has. Uh, part of this is that the fact that they own career builder and they own cars.com, which when you think back 30, 40 years, those two websites re represent probably the biggest section of what newspapers used to be the classifieds. Yes, exactly. The cars.com and careerbuilder.com are essentially the new and old improved ways of selling classifieds, yeah. right? And selling cars and selling jobs. And they are a lot better in terms of reaching out to the targeted consumer because you can create a search that's more geared towards what exactly you're looking for. And as I was saying earlier, you may not necessarily need to advertise a car. If, for example, I'm selling a car that's less than $5,000, do I need to put it on a newspaper and try to yeah. put this ad up to a couple hundred thousands of people? Probably not. So there's also a reason for why the advertisers or the individual owners of these products might be gearing towards these new 
websites, which yeah. are eventually expected to be more profitable over time. And this is going to be a, a big change for the newspapers themselves, because as we were talking about before, when you have a big conglomerate like Gannett and you have them owning TV stations and owning websites and owning newspapers, that newspaper part, which may have not been as profitable in recent years, could kind of be hid under the profitability of the other sectors of the company. Now that these two are split, that's not the case anymore. So they're going to really have to make a push to to increase their digital revenue even more than what it was right now to make up for what they lose annually actually in the physical newspapers. Exactly. They no longer have any excuses because yeah. before they could essentially gain from the more profitable parts of the business. But at the same time, to be fair, they were also under the pressure from the stakeholders. If you're yeah. a stakeholder, of course, you have options of gaining revenue by investing into other parts of the business. So yeah. it would be very hard to justify to a stakeholder to invest into news sure. when they have the options of investing into broadcasting or other parts of the business. Now that they're separating it, they're also separating their stakeholders and their expectations. So the stakeholder for the, for the new Gannett would essentially be someone who's interested in the news business, who sure. believes in the news business, and who would not mind investing into the news business. In fact, they now have probably better opportunities to prove themselves. But at the same time, if they make any mistakes, they no longer have the luxury of hiding under the parent company to sure. for those losses. You're right. One eight four four Wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you'd like to join us in the conversation about what could very well be the first step in in terms of the death of the actual newspaper, with Gannett making this move uh, earlier this week, where they basically split off their publishing from their digital and their TV, and it's uh, going to be. Uh, something that's going to reverberate through the industry uh, as as we go along. I guess the next question is in terms of physical jobs at newspapers, because we've seen so many layoffs here in, in this area in New Jersey, the biggest case most recently being the Star-Ledger up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, near New York City, where they have cut down their newsroom significantly. Uh, with this type of change, are we going to see even more type of job losses in the in the uh, in the newspaper industry? I think it's expected that some of those legacy jobs in journalism would be going down, and they have been going down over the past couple of years significantly. Yeah. What we are seeing now are more jobs in the digital parts of the business, more more jobs for the younger, more technically talented parts, yeah. of, um, parts of the population that are in the news industry. How much has the, the idea of blogging changed the newspaper industry? Because... Most people, when you think about blogging, it's some guy just off the street throwing, you know, republishing something that was produced by somebody else. But there are uh, members of the news industry that do rely on blogs because of the immediacy, you know, with mm -hmm. social media. It's it's an interesting line here that you have content that is very well qualified and, and meant to be out there. And you have other people that are not. It really does kind of muddy the waters a little bit. Yes, the issue of blogs is an interesting one. For one thing, we don't know if blogs are necessarily a substitute for the traditional newspapers. Yeah. If anything, it seems to me that that might be an expansion of the newspapers yeah. for particularly the topics, the issues that might be too expensive to cover because there are only a niche group of consumers who are interested in them. So we've seen the newspapers expanding 
to add to link blogs to their traditional sites yep. to essentially cater towards to these groups of people. Um, but what you are saying is also interesting that blogs, what you just mentioned, you mentioned the immediacy effect. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think this is sort of a misperception that blogs are making things available, making the news available at a faster pace. Mm -hmm. There has been a study a few years ago from Cornell, uh, a few Cornell researchers, which show that the newspapers were actually making news available about two and a half hours before the blogs make them available. Mm. In fact, most blogs are taking their content from various news sources. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of policy. There might be very few number of blogs that are perhaps faster. Yeah. Perhaps they make information that are more niche available to consumers. However, the majority of the blogs are still lagging and still getting a lot of information from the newspapers. So this is important too. And, and it's amazing to see how things have changed for the average newspaper writer, the the reporter, because, you know, for years it was, okay, well, I've got to get my story in by an 11 p.m. deadline if, you know, whatever the story would be. Uh, now, a lot of these reporters are asked to take photos of whatever they might be reporting on and email that photo or tweet it out or, you know, send tweets out as updates. They are, they're being asked to do a lot more, but basically on the same type of salary level, than they had in prior years. Exactly. So one of my colleagues, Barbara Khan, and I were having the conversation about what the newsroom used to look like several years ago. She yeah. was uh, she worked in the news industry. Yep. And it used to be the case that the newsroom and the sales room were separate from each other. The, the traditional education and journalism provides some ethical guidelines that yep. you believe in providing news that are supposed to be of value to the consumer, to the reader, to the society. You're not necessarily trained to think like a businessman. But in today's world, with so much push, so much uh, pressure to create revenues, the editors and the journalists are essentially forced to um, just promote their own content, yeah. write to make it to the most commented, most emailed list. And I have been working on actually a study related to this. I wanted to see if the pressure for the journalists to make it to these lists to essentially draw traffic to the newspaper yeah. was changing the content of the newspaper. And what we are seeing is uh, the news stories that receive a lot more clicks are covered longer with a higher number of articles throughout time. So there is clearly an editorial preference towards news that can bring more clicks and yeah. more traffic to the news sites. Yeah, and, and it, it it's one of those situations where... I mean, it really is. News was a race to the to the finish, but it was more in the TV industry. You wanted to have, you know, the, to be first, to be able to be out there and have the correct information. Now, it, the newspaper industry is. You see so many writers that are out there, especially the sports writers that that are out covering games and stuff. They're tweeting stuff out constantly during a game because they want to be the first one out there. But at times, they we've seen incidents where writers send stuff out, but maybe it's not 100% correct and you have to go back and, and, and fix it after the fact. Yes, that's, that can be a disaster or providing information that could be potentially harmful for the, for the citizens, for the society yeah. when it shouldn't be provided could be a problem. So the traditional education of journalism would prevent those things. In order to make the information publicly available, you need multiple sources of credibility, multiple sources of verification. And with the new 
um, new sources of newspapers. This is not necessarily the case. About 20% of Americans are now reported to receive news from social media, Twitter yep. or Facebook. Of course, when... I'm in that group, by <laughs> the way. I am. And, and uh, admittedly so am I for certain type of things. Yeah. A certain type of news. Unfortunately, in those environments, it's very hard to verify what exactly is true, what exactly is coming from a, a credible source. Sure. And news spread out way before one can make a correction. And, and that's, that's, of course, a danger. One eight four four Wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. It's interesting you you dated it back to uh, two thousand when uh, we really started to see a change. I mean, at that point we were you know, we were very close to having nine eleven, uh, and then we had uh, the recession after that. So we've had a, an interesting mix of global events that that have affected this country, and then we have also had such a growth in, in smartphones and, and tablets over the last decade or 15 years or so since since that time, that it has just made it so hard to make the newspaper industry a profitable thing. I remember being a person that would always pick up the Philadelphia Daily News every day, go, you know, stop by my convenience store, pick up the paper, and I would read it. I, I, I can't tell you the last time that I actually bought a physical newspaper. Uh, you know, it's it, that's just the way that we are these days. Yes, more and more consumers are receiving news from digital sources. About 60% of Americans have access to tablets and smartphones, but only about one-fifth, if I remember correctly, of these consumers are actually receiving news from any of the apps. Right. The interesting thing here is that these people are interested in reading news yeah. on these devices, but they receive the news from the browsers as opposed to the apps. So I think here there's an interesting opportunity for the newspapers that indeed if the news consumer is interested in going to news from the tablet, but they are unable to receive or somehow uninterested in the apps, but going to the browser, let's say something about the quality or the user friendliness of mm -hmm. these apps that are provided to consumers. I believe uh, that you're right, and there will be more and more consumers like you who may not be picking up a physical copy of a newspaper, but yeah. m there might be more consumers who spend more time on the tablets reading newspapers. Yeah, because just our lives are so much geared around smartphones and tablets these days. I, you know, I don't know what the, the numbers are, but I, we're probably looking at, what, 75% of Americans that have some sort of smartphone or tablet at this point. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's it's crazy the number of people that do that. Now, in terms of this move that that Gannett has made, and obviously this is a big move. We really though don't have a a, a significant track record as to whether these types of moves are are successful. You would think that they might be from the TV and digital end because those avenues have grown so much. But we really don't know if if the newspapers now can sustain themselves by themselves, can they? Yes, that is true. We don't have too many other examples from the history to, to base our expectations on. I do expect the broadcasting business to be successful. For the newspaper business, the publishing part, I do expect a lot more struggles. But because there are so many companies getting out of the news business, essentially the pie is also shrinking, but the, the people who want pieces out of the pie is also going down significantly. Yeah. So there might be eventually a time point where the losses are somehow uh, decreasing and eventually becoming stable and the business will become more profitable. So what is the biggest thing then, I guess, for the newspaper industry to, to look at? I mean, obviously they have to focus on their on their digital content, but is there something that they can do with the physical newspapers to 
to, to make them more attractive to the consumer these days? Well, I think the physical newspapers are still geared towards a certain part of the population. Yep. It's a slightly older group. It is a group with higher levels of education, and it's a group with higher levels of income. Yep. So perhaps better targeting this product towards these particular parts of the, the consumer group might be one of the ways to convince them to, to buy at, uh, at further rates or subscribe to them at further rates. Yep. Uh, Gannett, a year ago, uh, made a big acquisition. I, I believe it was Bilo Corp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really, that was kind of maybe the first step in this whole process that, that they were making a shift into more TV, more digital content, a, and trying to shift away from the newspapers, isn't it? Yes. So interestingly enough, the advertising dollars, the dollars spent on advertising overall have been increasing over the years. Mm-hmm. And the TV, yes, the TV advertising has seen some decrease, but it's relatively stable. So it's pro- for a newspaper, for a publishing company in general, it's it's a natural move to go into TV and yeah. go into more digital formats as opposed to the declining print advertising. And there's also a lot more relationships between newspapers and TVs these days to kind of co-brand content where, you know, uh, reporters on TV might be able to contribute to the newspaper, but the newspaper might be able to do that as well. We see more of those relationships these days. Exactly. You could you could obtain news or invest into reporting at a more efficient level if you're owning a TV as well as a newspaper. Sure. Uh, I mean, are we truly looking at, at the end uh, of newspapers as we know them? Or I mean, we're probably still a ways off. But, I mean, it, can we start to see the light? I hate to use that phrase, the light at the end of the tunnel, but this is no light at the end of the tunnel. This is darkness coming for, for the newspaper industry. It has been dark for some time, and yeah. I think it might continue to be dark for for multiple number of years. However, I don't think that the news industry will be going away. The huh. newspapers, the print version of the newspapers will be in decline, and it's probably going to eventually fade away. Yeah. But uh, the overall news industry or the in interest in news and information for a society that is increasingly more educated, increasingly more reliant on information to be better at their jobs and in their lives and so on and so forth, is probably is likely to, ex- we should expect that there should be more interest in news overall. It's just that the type of sources that we get news has changed. Right. And it's going to continue to change. We are getting news from social media. We are getting news from the websites, sometimes from the blogs and other alternate sources, as opposed to the physical print version of a newspaper. And more paid content. I do believe that we can also uh, support newspapers charging for content. In fact, I had been a, a supporter of newspapers charging for content for the past couple of years, even before New York Times started charging. Because people are so relying on information, quality information, information that can make a difference in their lives, they should also be willing to pay for that information. Sure. And I do think that if you provide quality, people will be willing to pay for it. It's not much different than that you had to buy the newspaper to begin with, whether it was 50 cents or, or a dollar or whatever it might be. Exactly. It, and, it's the same philosophy. Exactly. And and get, now that the advertising revenues have been moving from newspapers to the websites and keyword and search advertising, Subscription revenues are even more important, yeah. and interestingly enough, it's a very small increase, but they have also been increasing. Uh, the, the The percentage of revenues that are coming from subscription is increasing. But but do these entities have to walk a bit of a line in terms of, uh, like some websites will be 
half free content and half paid content. Do, do they have to still walk that line to be able to give some free content to the consumer? I do think that newspapers have a sense of what's important to the society or what type of information they should make publicly freely available. Right. And, and I see lots of examples of it. Wall Street Journal would make occasionally some articles freely available for everyone. I think that some sources will still become free and they will mainly rely on advertising revenues. Others that invest more into reporting, investigative journalism, yeah. more in quality content, more in exclusive content by uh, authors and journalists that are well-known, they probably have a better opportunity in selling that type of content as opposed to purely trying to rely on the advertising revenue. What's What does the bottom line then end up being for somebody that has has made the switch and and going from a, being a strict newspaper publisher where you have the you have to worry about paying for the printing presses and paying for the paper and the ink and all that stuff to switching over to basically setting up a website and, and making it available to people i mean the bottom line would seem to be better over time than it would be from the from the old fashioned newspaper well, it's still expensive to maintain the digital content and making it uh, somewhat engaging for the consumers as well. So, so you, you still need to invest into creating a visually appealing and engaging newspaper. So although it sounds like, and there has been several reports that it it is much cheaper to publish news yeah. in a digital format compared to print, I do think that over time, because of the increasing pressure to provide better content and better websites, this, the cost uh, of publishing in digital formats may also increase. It's the way it's going to go. Uh, Pinar, thanks for coming in. Thank Greatly you. appreciate it. Thanks. Good to meet you and look forward to seeing you here on campus uh, in the weeks and months to come. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.